Hi, everybody, and welcome to Telich Talks. Rob Ostrom knows what it's like to carry around what is, in essence, a replica of himself. The 46-year-old St. Edward High in Boston University product is more than a year into a very successful weight loss, a weight loss that sparked thunderous reaction on social media. Since bariatric surgery, he has taken his weight from 473 pounds to now just south of 250. He's in the 240s and he's celebrating it. And for Rob, however, it was his second huge weight loss. So how did he get to such a large weight in the first place? And why has bariatric surgery been such a godsend? And what spurred him on to start this process in the first place? Well, I'll give you a hint. He has two children, a boy and a girl. Just, you know, I, I told in the video when I did with them, like, I'm walking my daughter down the aisle someday. Awesome. She's, you know, if, if she chooses to get married, you never know what people yeah. want to do. But, like, I don't want somebody else doing it because I'm not there anymore. Rob told me bariatric surgery was a far more difficult route to take than one of those household name weight loss programs you see advertised. He knows in his heart he is not going back to those days of wondering if when he closed his eyes to sleep at night, whether or not he would even wake up the next morning. We chatted for over an hour, and we'll get to that conversation. But first, since 2015, the Cooper Foundation has been helping children and young adults with special needs in Northeast Ohio. They're providing assistance for items that these individuals need. Sometimes you just need a helping hand. And for more information, go to thecoopfoundation.com. Now, on to the interview with Rob Ostrom. Rob, your family history when it comes to sports is really wild. Let's go back to your great uncle. Tell me about him. So he played professional football um, for a year. Uh, he was drafted in the late 30s. He was an All-American at Pitt. And it, you know, every once in a while I find new stuff on him on the internet, pictures. Uh, I remember one time I saw a paragraph of Pitt greats and they mentioned Ditka and Reno. Yeah, and my right. uncle's name was in the same paragraph and it's like, and, oh, that's great. Wow, that's insane. And he played against Lombardi in college, and they, they kind of knew each other. And he apparently knocked out a few of Lombardi's teeth, according to <laughs> Vince's autobiography. But, uh, yeah, he was he was he ended up being a dentist. So he, he, like I said back then, guys didn't last in the NFL very long because it just didn't pay very well. Yeah. And so, you know, my grandfather played and was a pharmacist, gave that up to, to be a full-time pharmacist. And... He co-owned a pharmacy till the day he died. My grandfather did in, mm -hmm. in the in the late 90s, so uh, out near the Youngstown area, and it's still it's still open. My uncle actually runs it now, and his wife's a pharmacist, and they they run it together. That's crazy. There's also a picture you say of uh, your great uncle and Vince Lombardi when they were old chaps, just a year or two before they passed. Yeah. So they Vince had apparently done some sort of talk or you know presentation or appearance and my uncle went to see him and they ended up taking a picture together so 
every few years I kind of Google their names just to see what's popped up because it's it's crazy the stuff that you know when the internet first started there was very little now I can find full records of their other brother was a professional boxer they play football you can find stats like my grandfather had one NFL interception for 13 yards and it's like how did anyone think to record that or not lose that to history and then a year or two ago I found a YouTube video and it's, he was on the 46 Bisons, my grandfather. Okay, these were the Buffalo Bisons. Buffalo Bisons. The first American year, Football Conference. Right, the same league the Browns started in. And, and Dominic. Yes. And someone did like a season-long video. And there's training camp videos. Really? And they show the faces of all the players. They kind of go down the line. Oh, my gosh. And I knew my grandfather's number from a team photo I had found years ago. And there's my grandfather looking up, you know, 25 26 years old and it's like holy cow but it's funny because you look at the team photo and it's like it looks like a you know a d3 high school team they're so i mean my grandfather was a tackle and he was buck 50 no he was like 6 1 220 okay he was legit big yeah he was he was big for that for that i would say that was he played two-way tackle and uh yeah like i mean St. Ed's tackles now are, you know, 100 pounds heavier than he was playing professional football. It's just, it's just amazing how the game has evolved. It really over is crazy. The years. It, it's, it's insane. We'll, we'll go, we'll get to Ed's here uh, soon <laughs> as well. Um, also, conflicting allegiance towards the two hated rivals, the Steelers and the Browns. How's that worked? So my mom was, she, she was a Michigan fan and a Steelers fan. And my dad started at Ohio State and graduated from CSU. Okay. Uh, he always used to say he ran out of money after like two <laughs> and a half years and ended up graduating from Cleveland State. Uh, and he was a social worker. But yeah, my parents, so a few weekends every year, it was, it could get a little tense in the house because, you know, mom was a Steeler fan, dad was a Browns fan. My brother and I grew up to be Browns fans. They figured growing up in Cleveland, it would just be easier. Little did they know, they were signing me up for decades of torture and torment. And I still remember crying after the fumble. The drive, I watched that game, and I I kind of knew what was going on, but I was still learning. I was nine or whatever. I was still learning it. Sure. The fumble, I just I was bawling my eyes out when that happened. It was just because I had fully invested. And it's like, oh, they're going to the Super Bowl. Bernie Kosar's the yeah. greatest thing ever. And But, yeah, it was... It was fun. I, I always tell the story. I, the 51 to nothing game. That would be the first year of Bud, Bud Carson's Carson taking debut. over. Yes, his first debut. game. Pittsburgh fumbled it like in Pittsburgh. 17 times. They killed him. The Browns killed the. And they they killed him. And like I said, my mom. We always joked. My mom went to upstairs at halftime, and we didn't see her for a couple of weeks. But the funny thing is, Pittsburgh came to Cleveland later that year and beat us. And it's like, how do you lose to a team you beat 51 to nothing? Yeah, we it, were finding out a lot about Bud Carson. He was a great defensive coordinator. but And Pittsburgh went to the playoffs that year. And if you remember, they had the lead late in that game at Denver. And Denver scored, and then Pittsburgh turned it over. But it was very, very close to a Brown-Steeler AFC championship game at the stadium. And that would have been just bonkers. Yeah. And it's like... So we ended up having to go out to Denver, and that was the game we lost by like two it was or three a, touchdowns. It wasn't very close. Quite lopsided. Yeah. Yeah. The, the the final outcome was determined 
first second quarter. You yeah, Bernie made, Bernie had like I remember Bernie had like a good third quarter, and I think that was when he had like the rubber band thing. And I remember Brian Brennan had a ton of catches in the second half, but they just the defense couldn't stop Elway. Yeah, and it was like man. But then Elway went and got annihilated in the Super Bowl, so I felt a little better. But <laughs> Well, here is the um, crazy segue, but how did sports or your involvement with sports or playing sports affect your relationship with food? Because you got yourself into a situation where uh, the brunt of what our conversation is going to be about. What do you think? Um, my mom was Sicilian, and so if you know... Every, you know, holidays, sure. everything. My mom was, everybody loved my mom's cooking, her baking. She would bake for her friends every holiday. My dad, I remember my dad taking banana breads and coffee cakes. And just, you know, it was, everything was, you know, holidays were food. Sure. Family events were food. Food brings back lots of memories yeah. uh, for me. And it's just, my mom was, was heavier mm-hmm. and had health issues. And, you know, I think I inherited a lot of that, but it was a lot of just, you know, well, and I played a lot of competitive sports in grade school, but I got to high school and I, I didn't as much. And you went that, to St. Ed's. Yeah, I went to St. Ed's and I did a lot of things that were sports related. I was a football manager. I was the hockey video. I videotaped three state championship wins. So, but I didn't play as much sports and that was when I really started to put on some weight and then okay. you go to college and everyone talks about the... You went to Boston U. Boston U and it's like, oh, the free unlimited all-you-can-eat meals three days a week what, or three times yeah. a day, you know. How can that go wrong? <laughs> and they talk about the freshman 15 and I always said it was like the freshman 50 because it's like, oh, they have an ice cream station. And BU, oh. my brother went to Case and always complained about the food, which was funny, because I went to BU, and it's like, they, at the time they used to brag that they had the same caterers that did like the White House and all these other, so I mean it was, dinner was like seven different food stations, and like, it's like, oh, you want, you know, pasta, you go here, you want a sandwich, you go here, you want the main entree, you go here, and then at lunchtime it's burgers and pizza and grilled cheese every day of the year, and it's like... Like, it's kind of overwhelming. Yeah. And so um, I was always heavier. Probably maybe junior high on I started to get heavier. I remember, I still remember junior high, I played CYO football okay. in seventh grade. And back then you had to be under 130 pounds. Yeah, there were the, I can still remember those, uh, the weekly uh, make the weight things for one of my boys. And we had a couple kids that were really good and they were you know ripped and it's like they can't get under 130 pounds and so I was 140 and I lost like 12 pounds just to make weight for football and I remember one of the practices near the end right before weigh-ins they brought a scale to the field and if you got on the scale and you were over 130 you ran until you weren't yeah and so you're getting on that scale in front of everybody else so there's emphasis on that and I wanted to play really bad so the last two days before weigh-in, all I had was Diet Coke. I don't think my parents knew that, wow. but I didn't eat for two days so I could play football. And I made it, and I went home, and I had spaghetti and, like, two peanut butter and jelly sandwiches because I was just starving. You're dying. But our team was awful, and we were a mix of our school and St. Ignatius grade school. And the St. Ignatius parents found out they had to pay, like, 80, 90 bucks to play. And they all quit. Oh. So we played four games. We scored one touchdown. And then we folded. 
And it was funny because we had one of the parents was telling us, no, no, we're going to keep it going. Just go to the weigh-in because there was a weigh-in. They warned us there's a weigh-in during the season. Okay. So don't just, you know, after the first one, bulk up and then you can't play. And they called, I remember they called the football team down to the principal's office and says, anyone goes to the weigh-in, you're not playing another sport this year. And it's like, okay, we're not going. Because they basically already said, you're like, this is over. We can't do it. And so, but yeah, I, 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 I've always loved playing sports, watching sports. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a, you know, I grew up in a household where, I mean, baseball, especially on my dad's side, was always a huge thing. And so my mom, as I said, was from Pittsburgh. The funny thing was she adopted the Indians and became as big an Indians fan as you ever want to see. I mean, and she, they'd listen to the game, you know, Herb Score and Hamilton, and all, you know, all the time. I still remember Lenny Barker. Lenny Barker's perfect game is the oldest dated memory that I have, where it's like I, a, mem- a vivid memory I have where I know yeah. what date it was because it was such a big thing. And I remember, so I was... That's 42 years ago. You were like four. I was four. I was sitting on the carpet, and I knew something big was happening. But I didn't know exactly yeah. what was happening. And I remember he finished it, and they started cheering, and the dog jumped on me, and it was... But I, I plain as day, remember sitting on the carpet watching Lenny finish that. I'm one of the few people in Cleveland that doesn't claim to have been there that night, even though like, you are the nobody one. was there that night. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just... But yeah, I family and sports and food and that was that was huge growing up so you you got into your career and uh, you're in the financial services um, industry business as it were and that's kind of a sedentary yes very very much as sedentary as it comes Uh, so the years just continued along and the pounds got up so I I I lost some early because I was getting married in 2000 and I wanted to look better for the wedding and sure. feel better and then that's when it, it started the funny thing was when we had our first child in 06 uh, a few months later I decided I went on Nutrisystem okay and I had done all you know low carb and You've done the weight all watchers, kinds of stuff the, that, all those. and so didn't do Weight Watchers but I did pretty much everything else and I lost a lot of weight on Nutrisystem to where I was second in a national contest. I went to Philadelphia and was in an ad. And I kept it off for about four years. So I lost weight because it's like, I have a kid now, I need, I want to, you know, my parents had had passed away young, younger, you know, when I was, you know, late 20s, early 30s, and I didn't want that for her. And it's funny because Nutrisystem, every time you lost 10 pounds, they sent you this little beanie baby thing with the weight on it. And I had this whole shoebox, and I was waiting till my daughter was old enough to kind of like, I did this for you. And and I kept it off for about four or five years. And it's just, I had some issues with anxiety and depression, and those medications don't help. I had some injuries because I actually had become a runner. I ran the Cleveland 10K in like, I think, 09. And I did, de- I mean, I did decently. I finished in under an hour. And so things were going well. And then I started to have injuries and I got on antidepressant medication. And all those pills did made me do was want to sleep and make me hungry. 
Okay. And it's like those are the two worst yeah. combinations. It really fueled your rise. And so I, I had gone on Nutrisystem from 375 down under 200. Okay. And then I gained the, back to 375 and then another 100 okay. over just many years of just... Sure. And it just... It's a, it's a, it's one of those spiraling things. Yeah. Like you, you get in, you know, hear people, alcoholics talk about or drug addicts. It's like you use drugs, you feel bad, you feel bad, so you do use drugs. Well, I was with the same thing with food. I just had a socially, somewhat socially acceptable. You know, yeah. obviously drugs get you in a lot of trouble. I was never, I've never been a drinker, never done any of that stuff. And but that was my food. Was food thing. was my, and you feel bad. So you eat, so you feel worse, so you feel bad, so you eat, and so it just, over the years, and it's funny because my wife loved that show, Biggest Loser, and I'm yeah. like, oh, those guys, I did that on my own, like, I, you, you know, I need used, a show, you didn't I need used a, Nutrisystem, a I didn't, I didn't need to cry on television, you need a trainer, you didn't, Bob, or whatever, was and that then, his name, Bob, Bob the trainer, and I think? there was the woman who was, everyone was terrified of, of her, yeah, who, launched it into a huge career of, of her yeah and i used i remember they had a reunion show or like where are they now and the one guy had gained it all back and i'm like how do you do that like how do you get your life back and then and then i did the same sure i, I jinxed myself <laughs> and um uh, it's just over time it's it just and then you have kids and they're like oh i i grew up in a household where we lived paycheck to paycheck. My mom babysat the local kids, and my dad was a social worker, which, you know, yeah, they working for the county, you don't... Weren't high-paying profile jobs. Yeah, I, th I don't know if he ever made 40000 in his whole life, because it just... But, I mean, my dad was one of the greatest people I've ever known. I always, whenever I'm stuck with a moral dilemma, it's like, what would my dad have done? Because my dad was always do the right thing, God. Do the right thing and good things will happen. And I've made, you know, made it pretty far in life with that. I'm, you know, tell the truth, be honest with people. Your daily barometer. Yeah. Just litmus yeah. test in life. So, um, yeah, that, so I forget where I was going with that. But, um, well, for, first of all, that you, 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 you lost it all and then gained a yeah. good chunk of it back. And then you got to the point where... You, a few years ago or a year or so ago, had to, looked at the, the surgery aspect. Yeah, so where I... Did, where did you tilt towards that? How did that happen? So I had, my doctor had put me on, we had kind of, I kind of came with him a couple years ago and said, you know, what can we do? So he put me on a medication that's not really meant for weight loss, but people are finding works really well for weight loss. Just okay. try it. And then at the same time, we weaned me off my antidepressant medication. Which was good. It was, except I was I started losing a ton of weight, but I fell into a deep, like, when I get depressed, it's not that I don't get up or can't get out of bed. I get super anxious. So I start worrying. My mind just sits there worrying. Ruminates. I, it finds something to worry about. And if there's nothing legitimate to worry about, it comes up with stuff to worry about. And so for a few months, about two years ago, right about this time, two years ago, I was I was in a bad place. And I eventually said, you know, I, I've got to go back on something because, you know, I'm going to drive my family crazy because I'm just worrying about everything all the time. Where I'd go to my wife and go, you need to tell me when I'm being ridiculous because I know I am, but I can't. I need someone to say it. Yeah. So I went back on and then gained all the 
the weight I had lost on that medication off. And even they put me on a second one because the first one wasn't doing what. So, you know, back on the medication, you know, just eating a lot. And it got to the point where my wife had had this surgery a long time ago. Um, and she had had issues with it afterwards. She had to have her gallbladder out, certain things, but she's kept the weight off for a long time. We wanted to have kids and she wanted to lose the weight so she could have kids safely. And even at, with her losing a lot of weight, we had troubles with both. So my daughter was three weeks premature, but was fine. My son, they basically, so he was due in February of 11. They told her, anytime after Thanksgiving, you might go south, and we're going to have to try to deliver. So they kept her in. She was in. He was born on January 13th. So we made it. He was five weeks early, and he spent a couple weeks in the NICU. But they even told her before, like, don't go for three. You probably won't survive the pregnancy. And I remember going in the night before they delivered him. And... It was funny because she had a doctor who was young and kind of nervous having such a high-risk patient. And we kind of wanted the old-school doctor. Well, my wife went south while the new doctor was on vacation. So we ended up getting the old-school doctor. And she had been there, seen it, done everything. And she basically told us, like, she told me the night before, your wife is in a car and son are in a car heading for a cliff, and we need to keep them in the car as long as we can, but pull them out before they go over the cliff. And she's like, we're nearing the cliff. We've, we're going first thing tomorrow morning. And so it's like, okay, <laughs> I'll sleep well tonight. <laughs> but, you know, he had he had breathing issues when he was first born. Um, but, and like I said, he spent a couple weeks in the NICU. His biggest, he was on a, a breathing thing for the first day. Okay. And then he was fine. And he had trouble learning how to eat. And I'm like, how does my kid not know how to eat? Of all people. <laughs> so, um, and the funny thing is I was probably at my thinnest when we had him. So, uh, but um, he was in the NICU for two weeks. And once he figured out how to eat, he was out of there. He didn't have any problem keeping it. That's the thing. You, you think, you're like, oh, you're preemie. There's a set time you're going to be in this. And it's not. It's all, there's a series of hurdles you have to get over. Okay. So you have to be able to keep your temperature. You have to be able to breathe on your own. You have to be able to eat on your own a certain amount. And I'm like, well, just give him more time. Like, no, he needs to be able to eat a certain amount of time on his own okay. to get. And once he figured that out, he, they do the car test. So they put you in a car seat for like two hours with all the monitors and stuff on and make sure that you're able to handle it because you don't want to have a kid in a car and you have taking a trip somewhere and then he goes south. So as soon as he figured out to eat, he was gone in like 24 hours. But uh, it was a, it was an interesting experience. It was, you know, get up, take my wife over, because she can't drive yet, take her to her mom's or leave her at home, go into work all day, come home, grab her, drive over to Fairview, feed him, go grab something in the cafeteria, feed him again, go pick up my daughter at the in-laws, who was four, go back home, and then do it all over again. So it seemed really long at the time. It was probably the longest two weeks I've ever had. Um, but, yeah, he's he's doing great now. And uh, But, yeah, they eat 
and then it's like, oh, you didn't finish that? And I, oh, that's where I was going. So I grew up in a house where we don't waste food. Like, my dad would eat stuff because it was starting to spoil. And my mom would yell at him, like, throw that away. And he's like, no. Like, we were a house where every Friday it was either pizza at Steve's or Burger King. And then my dad would go Saturday morning and shop for enough stuff to get for two weeks. And then the next payday we would get takeout. That was the, like, it was big treat. people eat out all the time now. It's like, we eat out on birthdays and every other Friday. And it was, like I said, it was a neighborhood pizza place or it was, you know, we liked Burger King. And, um, yeah, so it, you know, it, I don't waste stuff. And it's like, oh, she didn't finish her fries. Oh, he didn't finish his sandwich. And it's like, that'll get you, that me and the dog. So the dog would go eat off of the whatever was left in the high chair. And so the dog and I both got way overweight. And we would get yelled at because we had a mini schnauzer and he wasn't so mini. And it's like, well, he... You know, he eats, as soon as they, you take the kid out to go change him or something, he's up in the chair trying to find whatever they, or the kids are throwing stuff oh, yeah. on the floor for the dog to eat. Well you, so, well, you got to your high point. Yeah. And then you, you obviously, along the way to there, or at that point, you did make the decision to, to you know, have surgery. So I was at a place where... And we're like, speaking of bariatric surgery, bariatric and there, surgery. I understand there's three kinds. Which type did you... So there's three kinds. They only do two of them now. Okay. So they do the the bypass, which is what my wife had, and they do the gastric sleeve. You did the, oh, did you they do used the sleeve? To do, yeah, so I did the sleeve. That's the more common one, I think, now. It's it's less wear and tear. It's less evasive. Um, they used to do a band, but too many yeah. people had problems with that. And it, that one was reversible. So if you had it and just hated it, they could go in and take the rubber band off. The funny thing is, I didn't even understand what it was when I started. Because sleeve, my sister-in-law... So there were a couple things that kind of drove me to it. I got to a point where I was 100 pounds heavier than I was when I started Nutrisystem. And it's like, I'm done. I can't... It's too far. I can't get back to being... So then you get... Like I said, you get... It's like, I might as well eat and enjoy it. Because I'm never going to get back to where I want to be. You thought you'd never see 200 again yes. or anything close to it. So my sister-in-law went and looked into it, and my wife's youngest sister. And she, her insurance wouldn't pay for it, so she went to Mexico. And I'm like, I hear going to Mexico to have stomach surgery, is she nuts? But she had gotten to that point, too, where it's like, it's a flat $5,000. They cover your everything, your stay. And she's a nurse, and she said it's the cleanest hospital I've ever been in in my life. She said it was it was an amazing experience. She's walking on, walking through Mexico two days later, and my brother-in-law went and enjoyed the fish tacos and all the other stuff, and they put him in a nice hotel. And she's like, it was amazing. And I'm like, huh. So I'm watching her lose a lot. She and I were both, you know, quite heavy, and she lost a lot of weight, and she's looking amazing. And I'm like. She, and she was a kind too, where like me was like, I don't know if she's ever gonna, you know, she has struggles like me. And I saw someone do it, and my wife. So I said, okay, this is this is probably my last chance. This is, I need something that's. I don't need a quick fix. Twenty pounds is not going to do anything for me. So I went in February 18th of 2022, so just over a year ago. And I'm a structured person, and. They laid it all out. I met with the surgeon, I met with a dietitian, and then I met with a concierge. And I'm, they're like, 
these are all the things you need to do. You need all these clearances or your insurance won't pay for it. They want to make sure that you're committed because if they're going to lay out, you know, from the, and I think about it from the insurance perspective, like we keep people around longer, less medical bills, less charges to us if we get them into good shape. So we pay this, you know, 20 grand or whatever it is. But for the next 30 years, we have, years person. we have a healthy person who's, you know, paying our premiums but not using up a ton of services. So there was a lot of clearances and they've changed the program over the years. It used to be you needed to lose like 10% of your weight or you needed to do this to prove that you were. So when I joined, it was you don't have to lose a certain amount. You just have to show constant progress for, me, for four straight meetings. You need to go to a meeting four months in a row to meet with the doctor or the dietitian or the nurse practitioner, and you need to show progress. And then you need to have um, a psychiatry appointment. They want to make sure you're not doing this, getting pressured into doing it. You're doing this of your own free will. You have to get your lungs checked, your heart checked. Uh, you had to have an endoscopy, and that's a whole other fun, fun thing. Um, but you need to show weight loss, and so. But I'm a I'm a planner, and they, a lot of the stuff I learned in Nutrisystem was the same thing. It was just I'm not doing Nutrisystem food; I'm doing my own food, and it was like correct portion size, balanced plate. So your plate should be planning half, half vegetables, half a quarter good carbs, a good quarter protein. So I'm like, I, I still remember walking up, you know, I met with the concierge and she's checking off stuff and you need to do these four videos and you've already done the one online. And um, the funny thing was I had trouble getting a hold of them at first. And I thought, oh, maybe that's just not going to. And then finally they're like, oh, no, just come on, call us up. Because I had gone online. I didn't want to talk to anybody. Sure. So you know, I went online and submitted something. And they're like, no, just make a call and make an appointment. So I went in and I walked out of there and I said, this doesn't seem so bad like I had learned enough the first time I had lost a lot of weight about I had discovered some vegetables I liked and what a, you know good carbs versus bad carbs and I'm like I could do this so I went back four weeks later for my first appointment and I knew I was doing well and they weighed me and I lost 29 pounds in a month so when you get there they check you in and the nurse does your vitals and you do your weigh in and then they put you in a room and you wait for the doctor or the dietitian. So the nurse comes back. She's like, they want me to reweigh you. She's like, they think the scale's not working. And I knew it was. I had weighed myself at home. I'm like, yeah. no, I, I drop it. So they're like, what did you do? Because they're all, like, you can't use pills or any kind of, they don't want you using, like, diet pills. And well, how was it for you, like, just doing the smaller portions and things of that that nature? It took a, few, a little bit to adjust to, but it was like... It wasn't too bad. Like, and I, and I, and it's one of those where you start to have success and it's like, it just motivates you big time. So I went, they went and weighed me and they're like, what did you do? I'm like, I did exactly what you told me to do. And so I kept losing weight. So between February 18th and June 14th, my surgery, I went from 473 down to 390. So I lost 83 pounds on my own. And it was funny. The funniest part was the endoscopy. So they're like, the the doctor who was doing it said, you're 45. This is now the new guidance for colonoscopy. So we're just going to do both at once. And I'm like, oh, this will be fine. You a two for one there, didn't you, So I did the prep and all that stuff. It was a nightmare. And um, 
it's funny because they give you everyone's like oh you're twilight that was the word i kept hearing yeah. you're gonna be in the, you're not gonna be totally knocked out but you'll be like you'll see my five minutes and yeah yeah so they gave me the stuff and i'm like i'm not really i'm not feeling pain or anything but i'm like so they go to put the, the scope down my throat and i close my eyes because i don't want to see it I'm, yeah. the, I'm the type i can you can give me shots any of that stuff i just don't like to watch it go in close your eyes or yeah. look away so they put it in and like i'm sitting there with my eyes closed and i i feel like i have to swallow but it feels like there's like a metal rod down my, so they pull it out and open my eyes like oh you're awake and i'm like i've been awake the whole time i just couldn't talk <laughs> so they did the colonoscopy and i was awake the entire time and i'm like cracking jokes i watched it on the monitor i'm like doc shouldn't you buy me dinner first yeah, like right. do you do windows all this fun stuff and like the nurse is like moving my stomach around so he can move the probe through and it wasn't like i was in, in any pain and i'm like joking like oh you you did change I said, I see why you do the endoscopy first in case you forget to change the probe. <laughs> like, you don't want to go in that area first and then in. And um, she's like, no, we actually did that. Not that, yeah. but she's like, we always do the endoscopy first. But the doc, a few weeks ago, the doctor went to do it, and he's like, went to go in and started. And it's like, wait, this is the wrong scope. They had given him the colonoscopy scope for the endoscopy scope. So nobody got hurt or anything, but it was yeah, like, the doctor's like, wait, what's going on here? This is the wrong scope. <laughs> But, but um, all in all, the it, it's been a good year, it, and you you look fantastic. I'm first and foremost. I should have said that in the beginning. You really do, and 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 also, Rob, you were open about this. I know you did a video per the hospital and what have you. Yeah. You on social media kind of put yourself out there. So it's and funny. You got a lot of response on that. So it was the weekend before my surgery, and. I was stuck, you know, still kind of COVID-y, but not COVID-y, yeah. you know, staying at home. And I had to go get a COVID test the morning, within like 24 hours of the surgery. And I asked the nurse practitioner at my last appointment, I'm like, what happens if I get a positive? And she's like, it's going to be like a six-week delay. And I didn't want that because no. I was all ready for it. So I passed up like a family event, a concert I wanted to go to. Um, we were going to go to Jurassic Park. We still haven't seen the movie. Because I ended up going, I'm not leaving the house. I'm the last like four days. I literally drove downtown, went in, got the COVID test, hopped back in the car. I'm like, yeah. I'm not doing anything that could jeopardize that. And so, but the Saturday, so I was kind of stuck at home. And the Saturday before, I'm like, I've done pretty well so far. So I just posted a picture of my before picture that they always take the first day you're in the office, and it has the date and the the doctor's name, and I knew what my weight was from that date. And I took a picture and I just got on my phone and put them together and like, hey, please don't laugh. But, you know, I'm kind of, you know, I've done, you know, it's been and I still hadn't told anybody what I weighed before. That was it took me a long time to, to tell because it's, it's embarrassing. And I put it on Twitter and I'm like, hey, don't laugh. And I don't know what happened, but the right person retweeted it. And a few hours later, I'm checking my phone and I'm like, I've got all these notifications because I'm I had like 1100 followers just you know organically yes. over from like 10 years 11 years and like suddenly i had like six seven thousand followers in 24 hours i'm like what's going on and it it ended up getting liked over a million times and like i couldn't put my mind i'm like a million people saw that picture i'm a little embarrassed but kind of in awe that something like that so a bunch of people started following me and i've lost some along the way political things sports things so yeah. people just hey i just don't feel like following you anymore but I still probably have like five or six thousand that, and a lot of them were people who 
everybody knows somebody. They're either thinking of getting it, they got it already, yeah. their mom got it, their cousin got it, their kids thinking there was a there's a woman in New York who's one of my better followers and her son was getting it done. And we ended up started messaging each other privately like, hey, if you ever need anything, he need questions, yeah. what to expect. Because you know, I'm I'm the type of person I like to help people. And sure. it's like I had a lot of people at the hospital that were in my corner and family that was in my corner and it's like I'm gonna help people. And her son had it I think in August and he's doing amazing. Oh, that's great. He's lost over hundred pounds already and it's just it's life changing. And you know there's a few reasons why I still so one when you do a lot of hard work you want some validation for it. It's it's nice to get recognized. But like I want other people to know there's hope. Like I was at a for a long time I was I was hopeless. You felt there was zero hope. There's I'm gonna last five, maybe ten more years. I'm gonna start having I was lucky because I hadn't had any major like and I had doctors tell me like, it's amazing you're not diabetic or all these other health issues. But you're heading that way. Like you would have gotten there eventually. My mom was heavy, she ended up having you know, she was diabetic, she ended up having kidney dialysis. And you can only do that for so long. And her doctor wanted her to get a kidney transplant, and she lost a bunch of weight because the doctor said, you need to lose this weight. And then when she did, they're like, we want you to lose more. And she got discouraged and gained it back and never ended up getting it done. And she kept having complications, calcium deposits, to where eventually she just, she was 58, and she just... It was funny because my dad kept all that from us. Like, she'd go in the hospital. She was in the hospital all the time. She had allergic reactions to things. She had all kinds of health issues. And they wouldn't tell us because they didn't want us to worry. And basically, my dad said, finally fessed up. She's probably got at most a year left. And she died the next morning. So it was like, we had just started to wrap my head around. And then she was gone. And it's like, I don't want my kids to go through that. And, you know, I love my mom and I miss her dearly, my dad too, but they both were very unlucky health-wise. Like I said, my dad had kidney cancer, had his kidney, the funny thing is he was trying to give a kidney to my mom and then he gets kidney cancer. So they have to remove one of his kidneys and it's like of all the dumb luck. And then a couple years later, they found spots where the kidney had been. So they took those out. And then the third time, he was getting a hernia operation and they found like kidney cells down when they did the hernia and it's like that's not supposed to be there and they did it and it had spread to his lungs and you know that was you know that was the third time obviously was not you know and he just you know it just he withered away he was probably 100 he was my height i'm 5'9 5'10 and he was probably 130 pounds by the end and it was just and he, tech, he kept good care of himself. 220 was probably the most he ever weighed. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he, he, you know, he wasn't like a gym guy or any of that stuff. But he ate pretty well, and he was active. And, like, you know, he took good, pretty good care of himself. And so I'm like, okay, I've got one parent that, you know, wasn't, didn't take the greatest care of herself and passed early. He took pretty good care of himself and passed early. I've got a lot of strikes against me but you're still young in your you're in your mind you're in your mid-40s. yeah i'm like i'm and so i'm like you know and i'm starting to get to the age where it's like my mom's only was only 12 years older than i am now when she passed away and it's like it's like i gotta do something like i can't i mean i was miserable you 
I mean, imagine walking around with 250 pounds of extra weight, and it's like, yeah. I mean, go to go grab 250 pounds of something and put it on your back and walk around 24 hours a day. Yeah. I mean, and the joints, the, the the ligaments, everything. Everything hurts. I can't. I got to the point where it's like I can't even. You know, and you start getting lazier, so you're less active because if you walk any amount of distance, you're like you pay for out it. of breath. And so it's just like, and it's funny because I went to a leadership seminar many, many years ago. And one of the things that always stuck with me was you'll never change anything until the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. And people are like, what is it? And it's like, I was, it was easier to diet and take, eat healthy and give up a whole bunch of stuff that I loved. I made a list of like 20 things that I used to eat all the time that I haven't had in over a year. And it's like, it was, it got to the point where it was easier to do that than it was to be me on a daily basis. And I, as I told in the video that I did for, so I started at St. Vincent's, if you remember last fall, they closed their hospital to all inpatient. And that's where I had my surgery. So it's like, oh, that's kind of weird that I got it done right before. Yeah. So they moved to Southwest and they said, hey, we need new marketing materials. My doctor called me and said, you know, I thought of you, you're, you know, you're doing really well. Would you be? And I said, I'd love to help you. You know, you've helped me along the way. Sure. And so um, never asked anything about, is there any pay? I'm like, no, I'll, I'll be there. When do you need me? And so, um, as I said over there, it's like, I went to bed every night not knowing if I was going to wake up. And it's like, my kids are going to get up one day, or my wife, and they're going to find me, and I'm, I'm going to be dead. And it's like, I can't do that to them. And I had gone back on the depression, anti-depression, and I was in amazing space mentally. I had gotten back to my old self, where I wasn't worrying about everything all the time. I was enjoying things. Because that's when you know you're, you start to, like, I, I'm a big TV movie sports guy. I stopped watching sports. I stopped watching movies. I stopped watching TV. I sat there all day waiting for the day to end so I could go to sleep and get a break. And so I was in a good spot mentally and it's like, it's now or never. So it's like, I've got the mental, I've got my, you know, anxiety under control. Now I got to do something so that I, I, I want to be around long-term. I had gotten to a point where I wasn't, I didn't really care. And it's like, I want to be around long-term. What can I do? So I started this and I kept losing weight and they did the surgery. and. I hate hospitals, hate doctors. I don't like. Be- My wife's a nurse. She thrives on that stuff. She runs. Work. She runs a nursing home. She's run a nursing home all through COVID, and she's the director of nursing, and she's seen it all. So she, you know, she blood and guts and all that stuff. I don't like any of that stuff. <laughs> and so, but they, the people at St. Vincent's at the time, now Southwest, made me feel at home. Like they never judged me. They're just like, we're here to help. And so every time I go in, they'd have new stuff for me to think about. Um, you know, take this evaluation of yourself. You don't have to hand it in. Just, you know, take this, think about it, what it's telling you. And it just, I just kept losing weight and I started walking through the neighborhood. That's where I kind of started. It's like, all right, I'm going to walk 15 minutes. I'm going to walk 20 minutes. I'm going to walk 30 minutes. And now I'm up to the point where I swim for an hour five times a week. I was going to get into that. What, t- tell me what what your physical fitness routine. Like so, now. on the way down and even afterwards. And you're 200. How many pounds down? I'm I'm down to 250. Okay, so, so I've you, lost. You lost like 220. 223. In a little over a year, which still kind of is hard to wrap my head around. But 
So I started walking just through my neighborhood in Strongsville. And then um, last summer we joined the rec center in Middleburg. And it's like, everyone's like, why'd you go there? It's, it's like their hours were just better than Strongsville. I'm a night owl, I yeah. like working out. They're open till nine and they're open on Sundays till seven. And Strongsville was closed Saturday nights. They were closed all day Sunday. And it's like, pay extra and go, you know, get something out of it or pay two thirds of it and never, never go. So I started there just walking on the track because it was, you know, it's getting hot out and I'm like, eventually it's going to be cold out. And I'm, I hate, I don't like the cold. Of course, I grew up, lived here and for some reason I'm still here, but I was walking on the track. And then I just, my son loves swimming. My daughter was a swimmer. She learned, you know, I taught both of them how to swim and I started swimming. And I remember me and the kids, the kids and I were in a lap lane and like, I couldn't even make it to the, like, I'm like, let's race. And my daughter killed me. And I'm like, I could barely make it from one length to the other without just like, I'm like, oh. but I built up to it. And I just kept doing more. And like, I kept pushing myself like, and it's, you know how I mentioned that downward spiral when you're spiraling and gaining weight. It's the exact opposite. I'm losing weight, so I feel better. So I'm more active. So I'm losing weight. And it's just like, now I can do and I remember looking up at the wall when it first started, and it's like, swimmer's mile is 33 laps, 66 lengths of the pool. And I'm like, who the heck can do that? That's, like, how do these, I'm like, I'm not Michael Phelps. I'm like, I don't. And I got to the point eventually where I could do a mile without stopping. And now I do all kinds of weird stuff. So I'll do like, I usually do about 30 laps when I'm doing and I'll do like half freestyle and then half backstroke or double backstroke. Um, I was doing stuff where I was putting my arms up and running the length of the pool. Like kind of like, I remember seeing it in like a, a war movie where they're like, I'm like, that would be kind of interesting to like just do some work on my legs. I'll just try to run through the water and look weird, but I don't, it got to the point where I don't care. Like I remember I was always swim shirt guy. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not, in the pool, never I'm take never, off the shirt. And, it was dirty the one day, the one I always wore. It, I think I'd put it. Oh, I'd put it out on the back porch to dry, sure. on the on the patio, on the deck, and I forgot it, and it got soaking wet. And I'm like, I'm like, screw it, I'm just gonna go. If people don't like it, I don't care. And nobody cared. Nobody. And it's like, okay, I don't. So now I haven't worn a swim shirt probably in like, you know, six months. And it's like I have, you know, skin, obviously, yeah. and I've got, you know, they put five yeah. holes in you. Sutures or yeah. And so, but the biggest, the, the the biggest one is probably like an inch and a half, and it's, I mean, they healed really well, and it's funny because my doctor said you have a hiatal hernia, so she's like, while I'm in there, I'm just gonna fix it. I'm like two for one, sweet. <laughs> you so, keep getting these deals. I'm like, doing, I'm like. <laughs> My dad, I grew up, my dad was always looking for a good deal. Oh, yeah. And I'm like... Clip those coupons. I'm the, I'll brag about a deal I got rather than something nice I got. It's like, I found, you know, this. And so, I'm like, sure, why not? And so, I remember, I remember waking up after this, and like I said, I don't like painkillers. I don't like feeling out of control. I don't, I was never a big drinker. Um, and then you hear about, like, you know people getting hooked on painkillers and like you're not gonna get it I'm like I'm not even gonna risk it so I woke up and I was in the worst pain like my stomach was take your worst stomach ache times 10 
And they're like, do you want something? I'm like, no, 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 no. So I'm in the recovery room, and then like an hour and a half later, they wheeled me up to the room, and I told the nurse, I'm like, my stomach really hurts. She's like, do you want some morphine? I'm like, yes, please. <laughs> and so I had, they gave me like that for like the first day. And the first night, I was I was kind of out of it. I remember trying to watch the Guardians game on the TV, and I was so uncomfortable, I just shut it off. And like, I'm going to try to go to bed and wake up and feel better tomorrow and but you can't because you're in the hospital and every two hours somebody's coming in yep. like you're hooked up to a machine that's checking your blood pressure and waking yep. you up every half hour and the nurse is coming and give you a shot and I woke up the next morning and I felt a million times better and I remember they said start walking so I started walking the floor of the hospital you know less than 24 hours after I had had surgery and my nurse practitioner came up to visit me and she's like look at for me she's like I was with the other end of the hall kind of looking out the window She's like, hey, I was looking for you. I'm like, ah, walking around. Every time I walk, I burp. I feel better because you get all that. Air. They pump you full of air. And um, it just, I've had some lows a few times. Um, the week of my two-week appointment, post-surgery, I was taking a shower and I went to, and I just started like sweating and feeling, and I was dehydrated. And I, and they had warned me, you know, that's the most common thing is. Because, like, right after surgery, it takes 15 minutes to drink an ounce of liquid. And I'm the kind, like, I could have taken a water bottle and just... So I'm, like, going slow, and it's hard to get, you know... They're hoping you get 48 ounces between your protein shakes and water and soup. They're hoping that you get that much in. And I apparently had gotten dehydrated. And I remember I had... You know, you learn, because they kept telling you, like, introduce one new food every day, see how you tolerate it. So I took a tortilla soup, and I strained it and watered it down. Because the first, so two weeks before surgery, you have one meal a day, and the rest is all protein shakes. And then, you know, you don't drink or do anything except drinking fluids, like, a day before surgery. And then after surgery, it's two weeks of liquid only, two weeks of soft foods, like, or uh, two weeks of pureed foods which like baby think baby food and I just threw the baby food out the other day because my wife bought it and they never she bought me a couple jars to try it and I never did it but everything you can eat uh, flaky fish scrambled eggs regular or everything else has to go in the food processor because you don't have all the fluids in your stomach breaking food down like you normally would so the machine has to do that for you and then the, the fifth and sixth week is soft foods so you can start to eat like ground chicken, ground turkey, okay. ground beef, and just, you know, egg, still eggs, soft cheeses. Um, but I had strained this tortilla soup because I was in the first two weeks. And so I couldn't have any of the like corn or any of the stuff was in it, but I put it through a strainer and then I added like a third of water. And there was, and I'm a spicy guy. I love spicy stuff. And it didn't taste spicy to me at all, but I, w- I remember waking up at like five the next morning, like someone was stabbing me in the middle of the chest and I woke my wife up and I'm like, I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, my, I'm going through all the symptoms oh, yeah. of a heart attack in my head. Like my arm is my arm's not tingling. It doesn't hurt. Like I'm not sweating. Cause I've read about people that have heart attacks and they start sweating like crazy and their arm hurts. And it was just something in the spices or something. My stomach wasn't ready for it. And it, you know, I've had a couple instances of that, but it, it scares, well, first of all, it scares you when you get woken out of a dead sleep in the middle of the night because it feels like somebody's stabbing you in the middle of your chest. Oh. But at least after, it, it hung around for a couple days and went away. And then it did it again, and it's done it a couple times, but the last time it didn't bother me because it's like, all right, I ate something that didn't agree with me. 
But I'm back to eating, like I make my own, yeah. I take Frank's hot sauce and I add our, onion, onion and garlic and I make a bottle of it. And it's a great way, like on salads, because salad dressings can be, everyone's like, oh, I'm eating salads. And it's like, oh, it's got buffalo, chicken, bacon, cheese, and salad dressing. And most salad dressings, it's like they're loaded with fat or they're fat-free loaded with sugar. And they taught me again how to read labels and how to, you know, how much sugar should be in it and look at it, added sugar and how much fat should be in it. Fiber. Fiber, protein. Protein is huge with this. Because um, that's the one thing, the two biggest things, especially after surgery, fluids and protein. You should get try to get 64 ounces of fluid, good fluids, not, you know, soda mm -hmm. and that stuff. And 60, 60 grams of protein minimum. Wow. So I still drink a protein shake every once in a while because they're 160 calories and you get half of your day's protein in it. And even recently, I started noticing I was hungry more. Hmm. And so I'm like, started just drinking a protein. And you're always struggling with that because it's like, you know, am I just not eating enough? Because at one point I stalled for a little bit and my dietitian said, How, do a log of your food every day. Okay. See, you might not be eating enough. And it's funny because the six weeks after surgery, I had spreadsheets. I'm the spreadsheet well, you, guy. Weren't you worried about, like, you just, if you ate too much, then yeah. you might ruin the good results I don't want to, because people, eventually your stomach will stretch. It's 20% yeah. of the size after surgery, but it'll stretch out if, over time if you do it yeah. wrong. And so I had spreadsheets, like, getting all my vitamins in, getting my fluids in, There's getting my protein financial in. guy. That was my, numbers. I love spreadsheets. <laughs> And so for the first six weeks, I was checking everything. I haven't logged anything since because it just gets ingrained. Yeah, analysis by paralysis kind of. And they'll basically tell you, like, every time I go in, they're like, okay, now you should be up to, like, 900 calories a day. But, I mean, for the first couple weeks after surgery, you're at 400, 500 calories a day. And they're like, you're going to have to take vitamins the rest of your life. And I'm like, okay. The funny thing is the first uh, six weeks, so... They tell you don't worry about vitamins the first week or two. You're on full liquids. Your, your stomach might not tolerate them. But there's these chewables, and they tell you how delicious they are. And they are the worst thing. They're, I'm like, oh. And I tried a different, few different ones. And the cherry flavor. I love cherry flavor stuff. And it's funny. I would drink a protein shake, and then I'd go and have chew the vitamin. And it's like I had to sit there and focus not to not to throw up. It's like <laughs> I just ate protein i just drank a protein shake i don't want and ate the vitamin i don't want to ruin it all by throwing up and so the funny thing was i'm like i'm going to switch brands and i ordered accidentally ordered the capsules instead of the chewables so i'm like okay so i ordered the chewables and it's like okay i found one that was enormous but i only had to eat one a day instead of the four i had to eat on the other one was two twice a day and it's like this is just awful and um but then i came to the bright idea i'm like Maybe I pull these capsules apart. So I threw some in some zero sugar Gatorade, just threw it in without much Gatorade, and it was the worst thing I ever had in my life. But then I'm like, well, maybe if I can mask the taste. So I, st I started hummus and sugar-free pudding, and I would right. pull the capsule apart, stir it into some ro roasted, roasted red pepper hummus or some yeah. sugar-free. And I was never like pudding, but it's like when you can't have candy for a year, you start to like chocolate pudding a little bit. And it, ma it totally masked the flavor. So I would alternate because it's like, my back to my dad, I don't want to waste, I bought these pills. Right. So I'm like, oh, today I'll do a pill, or a chewable, and then the next day I'll do a pill and a chewable. And so it got, and 
the best part of the entire process was when my doctor was like, okay, you can start swallowing pills again. And then the vitamins became, I mean, I take one, I take one special bariatric multivitamin and then I take two calcium tablets. Because that's one thing that people normally get deficient in on this type of thing is they don't get enough calcium. Okay. And so, but I went, at six months, they redo all of your labs. And all my, I mean, my labs were sparkling. My, my, I was borderline high blood pressure, like 139 over 105. Okay. Now on a normal day, I'm probably like 119 over 60 something. And I mean, my, all of my, my cholesterol was, my low, my good cholesterol has always been low, even on Nutrisystem when I lost weight. But my, my regular cholesterol came down. Um, my doctor said, I'll call you if there's anything concerning, and I never got a call. And so now they have all these apps where you can go on and see, you know, six pages of all the tests they ran. And it's like, my wife's studying for nurse practitioner and she's an, you know, an RN. So she knows all this stuff. So I'm like, what does this one mean? But they give you ranges, like it should be in this range. And they're like, this one's a little low, this one's right in the range. But there was nothing concerning. So I had that done in December. Um, They redid all my labs six months post-surgery. And now I don't go back until the summertime. And so they see you like, so after surgery, they see you at two, four, and six weeks, then three months, six months, 12 months, and I th- maybe 18 months, but then you just, it's annual after that. And they're like, but the cool thing was, and one thing my sister-in-law, I feel bad she kind of missed out on having to go out of country, is they have support groups and I can just call or email my dietitian like, hey, I found this, what do you think? And I'm constantly sending them stuff like, pictures and just like you know you guys help do this like i want you to know that i want you to share it too so you can share with others too and and they have a monthly support group that you know other people don't have so i go on the support group and one of the meetings this woman and i she had lost weight years a few years ago and i told our stories and you know i i go provide helpful advice but i'm also still asking questions like yeah you don't know at all, per se. A few, well, and, and great, a, a few weeks ago, I kept having dizzy spells. Like I would stand up, and I had this before with weight loss, where if you your blood pressure gets too low and you stand up too quickly, it's like, and I like I fainted like a couple weeks ago and scared my son a little bit, but I was dehydrated. I had had a couple days where I I drank, but I just didn't get enough, and I just started pounding the liquids again and I switched to drinking more regular water. I was drinking a lot of sugar-free Gatorade, which is good, and they had actually told me like if you start to get dehydrated, that's good. But, you know, I'm like maybe I just need to start pounding the water again. And so I did that and felt better. And then I also did some liquid IV. I don't know if you've ever tried that stuff. My my wife gave it to me when I had COVID cuz the only major COVID thing I had a couple years ago was I had I was exhausted for like six weeks. I didn't have the br- the breathing stuff scared me because I'm on a CPAP and I'm overweight and I'm like, mm-hmm. but I never had had the breathing problems, but I had just complete exhaustion. And I remember that it was Easter Sunday and I had it and we can't go anywhere and like laying down hurt. Like I was so, it was one of those where I'm so tired it, it hurts to even lay down. I just kept getting up and trying to move around sure. and she gave me the liquid IV and like a few hours later I'm like, whoa, I, you know, I, feel a lot better so the only problem is they don't make a sugar-free version so i don't drink it very often but if i get dehydrated to the point where it's like and she took my blood pressure she's like i'm going to take your blood pressure two ways 
sitting down, it was kind of normal. I stood up and my blood pressure just went through the floor. It was like 80 over 55. And she's like ready to take me in the emergency room. And I'm like, no, no, no. So I started getting like shivers. And like I went to go to the bathroom and I'm walking back. And she's like helping me back to the bed because I'm like, I'm getting dizzy and I feel like I'm going to fall over again. And then the next morning I felt fine. It was weird. So I don't know if it was like dehydration plus some sort of bug because my kids ended up getting like a 24-hour bug right after that that was similar mm-hmm. so so there's been some bumps along the way but yeah. i'd say and i get tired sometimes swimming i'll if i don't do something right about two-thirds of the way through everything turns to jelly okay like my arms jelly legs jelly i'm not physically tired but my body just feels like and i have a friend from eds who's a trainer and he's sending me stuff like oh this is happening and this is happening so i'm listening to him and well you're getting a lot of feedback a lot of good feedback a lot of uh, a lot of people on your side you got a lot of people that you know followed your journey or are, are they're still still, still following people it. from it's funny one time i'm like right after it blew up i'm like i'm seeing people from like all over the world i'm like tell me where you're from i don't need to know like yeah. the city but like what state or country yeah. you're from yeah. And I made a list, and it's huge. It's like, you know, Australia, Ireland, uh, Italy, you know, Spain, you know yeah. I- India, countries in Asia, you know, Canada, Mexico. And it's like, this, you know, Twitter can be a cesspool of, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. and you're a, I know. <laughs> a, a local figure, and, you know, you've been in the media for, you know, you're a legend, and you've been in for, you know, decades, and... I'm sure, you know, you're the nicest, one of the nicest people I've, you know, you see. And I'm sure you still hear it from people from time to time. So it can be really ugly, but this experience has been 99% positive. And it's amazing how many people, people just like a success story. They They like people that, you know, pull themselves up by their bootstraps to quote a really old expression. But they like people that, and it's funny because when I lost my weight, on Nutrisystem many years ago, I'm like, I was like, I did it myself. I didn't need a surgery. The surgery's way harder than Nutrisystem. It's just, because Nutrisystem is just every four weeks or two weeks or whatever it was, they'd send me a box of food and I'd do it. Whereas this, you know, you're constantly having to go see doctors. You're constantly getting weight. You're constantly, you know, and the surgery is a big deal. I had never had a surgery in my life. Like the last overnight stay I had had in a hospital, I was five or six. I had croup, if you've ever... No. And my, I remember my parents waking, you know, taking me in the middle of the night to the emergency because it's just like, you sound like Darth Vader. And um, that was the last... It was And it was over my birthday. I remember getting, like, Incredible Hulk or Dukes of Hazard car or something. I mean, that's how long ago that was. That show was popular. And I hadn't been in a hospital overnight. Even when my kids were born, I went... Like, everyone said, like, go home at night put the baby in the nursery you know you and wife get a good night's sleep you go home and get a good night's sleep because as soon as the baby comes home you're not getting any good night's sleep and it was one of the best advice you know anyone had given me and um but it's i it's, it's what, a, what a journey what it a, was yeah it was what is, what is it it's, it's, it's phenomenal what you've done and it's serious. it's still going and, it, and yeah this is a keeper obviously this is not going to be a situation where you, as you said, you fall back. But so, you know, um, while we've got a chance here, maybe even to put a, a bow on this, what kind of advice would you have for someone who's who's at that point where they just don't, like where you were? 
just don't know if you got what it takes to make it. Or yeah. Have what it takes within you. What? Well, and how do you keep someone's spirits up at a, at a very difficult time, a dark moment? I would just say there's hope. Mm-hmm. There, there. We're lucky. There's a few things, especially right now, in our favor. The surgery's as routine as it can get. Like when my wife had it, it was still fairly new. They, my doctor, I talked to her, she does up to five of them in a day. And they were actually going to schedule me the week before, but she had two high-risk ones, and she didn't want to mm-hmm. have more than that in one day. But it's as routine as it gets. And between that and health foods, so, like, people have a much greater understanding of health and nutrition than they did when, we, you know, yeah. you were growing up, I was growing up. 100%. Different kind of carbs, what are, you know. And so... There's way more out there to keep you, like, stuff that tastes good that's actually good for you. You know, we're right here by Aldi's. I've discovered stuff. Aldi's has stuff I've never, you know, I eat chips made from cauliflower and lentils and beans now. And, you know, I actually look at sugar content before, like, most cereals are terrible for you. Even some of the name brand ones that are like, oh, that looks healthy. It's like, oh, there's 11 grams of sugar per serving that they added. And so there's hope because... This works if you and the, the they they ask me and everyone I say do whatever they tell you. They're the experts. Like I'm the experts on certain things. I'm not never been a nutrition expert as you can you know by my history. Do exactly what they tell you. It works. They've had success story after success story success story, and they will help you. Like they tell you you're our patient for life. And I was like wow that's. And it's funny because they have what they call the Bible. It's a binder with everything, and, and I probably read through it four times. I haven't looked at it in forever because I probably memorized most of it by now. But the first, they don't give it to you the first meeting. They kind of, they're feeling you out. They have no idea. Yeah. Well, I mean, you are. when I walked in and they saw this huge guy, they had no idea, if, you know, what I was going to, and then I lost 28, 29 pounds in a month, and they put the Bible down and like, Take it home, read through it. Any question, 99% of the questions you're going to have are in here. What to do before surgery? What kind? What's surgery like? Yeah. What's the recovery like? What are the sure. risks? What do you need to do to get ready for surgery? What should you have on hand? Like what foods and protein drinks do you need to buy ahead of time? You know, how does this work? And so the program is amazing. And just because they switched hospitals, I'm sure it's, you know, Southwest is a great hospital. I'm sure it will continue to be amazing. And like I said, there's hope. And if you just give yourself up to them, they will they will guide you. But you got I mean you got to put in the work. It was a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And just you know I, I told in the video when I did with them like I'm walking my daughter down the aisle someday. Awesome. She's you know if, if she chooses to get married, you never know what people yeah. want to do. But like I don't want somebody else doing it because I'm not there anymore. And that was. Those are big motivators. Like, I and I told him I felt like a crappy dad at times because it's like I take my kids everywhere, and it's all about them. But I can't, couldn't do things with you know. I'll take you to the jump place and I'll watch, or I'll take you to, you know, a water park and I'll watch, or and it's like you no longer this sucks. It's like. I want to keep up with them. I don't want them to feel like they got shortchanged. I don't want them to be embarrassed when dad takes them to something. Um, Because I know as a kid, I would have been walking around with someone like me. And now it's like people don't even, you know, 
it's funny because when you're heavy, all you ever want to do is blend in. I just want to be the normal guy in the crowd. And now I'm the, you know, a normal guy in the crowd. And I, it's funny because I lost all this to keep up with them. And now they're like, I got to like, hey, come on, go swim with me. Let's, you know, let's get out of the house. Let's, last Sunday, it was the last day of the toboggan shoots. I hadn't done it in a decade. I walked up those stairs four times and was like nothing. And I was like, on the way home, like, should I go swimming? Like, I think I got enough exercise in for today, but maybe I should, my son's like, take a day off. <laughs> but it's funny because he's my gatekeeper. Like I told him at the very beginning, he's 12 and he's like, he has ADHD, but he doesn't let it, you know, get him down. He does really well in school. He has trouble focusing, but like, he's one of the, like he uses vocab words that my 16 year old, who's also an honor student at a private school at St. Joe's Academy, she doesn't, she, like he'll use words she doesn't know. And so he's hilarious. He cracks me up all the time. He just says stuff out of the blue, like, where did that come from? But I told him, like, you're going to have to tell me no. This is the one time you're allowed to tell dad no. When dad's going to do something bad. So right across the street from his school is Honey Hut. And he loves Honey Hut. And he's very picky about food. And it's part of that ADHD sensory stuff. And I remember the first time, he still tells the story. Remember the first time you took me here and you told me there was honey in it and I said no and then you lied to me and said there wasn't and then I ate it and you told me there was and I'm like, I don't care, I loved it. So like, Honey Hut opened this past week and he was excited for it. I'm like, you know, maybe dad deserves a scoop. It's been over a year since dad had ice cream. He's like, no. He's like, I don't want you to go back to what you were. I'm like, one scoop's not gonna. He's like, no, you told me to say no. And I'm like, good job. I'm like, I wasn't really going to eat it. I was just kind of curious what he would say. And so he's still, you know, making sure dad does. I mean, the things I haven't eaten in a year is crazy because it was like, you know, I love wings. I haven't had anything like fried in a year. I mean, I haven't had ice cream, cake. I haven't had candy. And, uh, you know, it's Lent now. And we, I was making them cheese quesadillas last night. And I grated a whole eight ounce cheddar. No one was going to use it all, but it's like, I'll just grate it. And I was so used to just, you know, you get to the nub and you just, oh, there's this. And I'm like, I went, I'm like, wait, what am I doing? I, I'm not, I'm not eating this. So I had tuna with, uh, I had tuna with hot sauce, whole wheat noodles. And I recently bought some, everyone kept saying get fat-free Greek yogurt. It's makes things creamy like sour cream. But so I found one that's, there's no fat, there's no added sugar. Mm -hmm. And I mixed it in and wouldn't know the difference. And so, well, difference. Taste-wise. Taste-wise. Yeah. But what a difference in your life. Yeah. And I mean, it's night it's, and day. It's, it's night and Congratulations on what you've done. And thank you for, like, kind of sitting here and telling me your story and letting the listeners of our podcast hear about your journey. It it's, uh, took a lot of courage to do what you did. I know you thought it was probably the end of the line and there was no choice, but you did it. I commend you. And... I thank you very much for opening up to our audience. So, Thanks for having it. me. And I'm on Twitter. No no holds barred. Ask me anything. I, ha I did a thing like a week ago where I was like, okay, for the next 24 hours, nothing's off limits. And I know some people don't like to. Mm -hmm. I said, message me. You know, you could send me a private question. I have people sending me stuff all the time. And like, dude, I was, I was kind of hopeless. And you've inspired me. I've started to, to walk or eat better. And it's like, that's amazing, man. Every... It feels like it's a marathon, and you obviously know your way around ultra marathons and crazy tough mudder. I even started looking into that and thinking about doing one of those because I remember you talking about them. 
and it's like you got to start somewhere yeah. and that's the hardest part because it's like you feel so lost and so behind it's like imagine being down like 30 points in the second half of a basketball game it's like it's hopeless it's like you got to put a seven eight point streak together and then a 10 point streak together and suddenly it's like this is this is doable we can yeah. you know we can come back here and so you know don't give up great way to end thank you rob thanks john Thanks very much to Rob for being so open to not just myself, but to you out there listening to this episode. And that, by the way, was episode number 21 of season two. Our next podcast guest will be longtime Northeast Ohio TV news anchor Wayne Dawson of Fox 8. He is not only a multiple Emmy Award winner, he is a preacher, a pastor, So how did he emerge from that upbringing in East Cleveland? And how has he blended faith with family and been able to continue to focus those very early hours he spends in the studios at 5800 Dick Goddard Way in front of the camera? If you like the interviews I have been doing lately on this podcast, kindly hit subscribe and share. My goal is to spread stories of triumph and positivity. Thanks very much for listening, and we will see you the next time on Tellich Talks.